You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are for each of us. It's grand because it speaks to the reality that you cannot keep a good man down. And better yet, you cannot keep a great man down. And even better than that, we cannot keep the God-man down. You see, the grave didn't have the final word with Jesus. He rose On the third day, and he rose victorious, and he rose to give us power so that we could live a life of abundance and a life full of grace. And so that we can all say together, with God, we will be able to overcome. Amen? There may be someone in this service, uh, the second service, and you're thinking, I can't overcome my current circumstance or the situation that I'm in or a relationship that I'm struggling with. And, and you might say, I can't overcome what I've done in my past or, or this habit that I have or, or this negative accusing thought. Anyone in here ever had a bad habit that you want to overcome? Anyone? Yeah. We got three or four honest people. <laughs> Anyone in here, have you ever had a negative thought that, that, that just plagues you, right? And, and so you're saying, I can't overcome. And you know what I would say to that? I agree. I can't overcome But this sermon is not about you overcoming. The sermon is we will overcome. You see, you can do with God what you can never do on your own. And and the first part of this sermon is greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And I just plagiarized from the Bible that title right there. It's wonderful. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The devil who's trying to destroy your life and my life is not greater than Jesus. He's greater than us on our own, but he's not greater than God. And so as you begin to appropriate that as your life, you'll be able to walk in the freedom that Christ provides, and you'll be able to live a life where you will be able to say, we will overcome. So tell your neighbor, we will overcome. Amen. So I put three points together that I think will help us grasp the fact that we will overcome through Christ. And the, and the first point is that no past failure defines me. How many of you have not shaken free from your past? You don't have to raise your hand on that one. In other words, you, you've had failures in your past And you are living your present life defined by those failures. In fact, every situation, every every decision that you make, that that failure has a way of manipulating itself and leading you. You might have had a failure. Maybe you maybe you had a failure with stealing, or you had a failure with uh, with uh, uh, maybe someone abused you. Maybe. You, uh, uh, maybe you had a sexual failure. Maybe you had a, a potty mouth. Maybe you, had, you slandered or, or you were slandered. Or maybe you gossiped. And, and, and every, everything that you, that, you, that you do today, you're still looking at yourself defined by that failure, by that past experience. Can I tell you that God doesn't define you by your failures? 
God's not a man that he says, I remember what you did a month ago. I remember who you were when you were growing up. How many times do people even define someone by their family? You're a Reese. So I know what the Reeses are all about. You're a West. Watch out. Stay as far from the East as from the West. The only way that we will shake our past, and especially our past failure, is by appropriating the truth that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. If anyone is in Christ, I love that. If anyone is in Christ, in other words, you're not on your own anymore. It's not I, but it's we. If you're in in Christ, you are a new creation. You're not that person that you were before you came to Jesus. You're not that liar. You're not that product of fear. Maybe something happened to you and fear came upon you and you're, you're walking in this fear. You're walking in this anxiety. You're not that person anymore. You're in Christ, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who came to conquer and so you begin to walk in that attribute. You begin to walk in that newness because you're a new creation. And the, the, it has come into your life. The old is gone and the new is here. And so your past does not define you. But how many people still live their life and when they look at failure in the dictionary, they see their picture there? When they see a, a drug addict in the dictionary, they see their picture in it, and they begin to live in it. You know what God sees when he looks in the dictionary, and he sees your, 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 he sees your name in the dictionary? If you're a child of God and you've trusted in Jesus, he sees that Christ has imputed holiness and righteousness on you. He sees someone new, someone who's hidden in Christ. And you're a new person. I love the cross. I love the cross. There's power in the cross. And the power of the cross is that it cleanses and erases our past sins. It erases who we were in the past. I think that's awesome. Everything that I was, I don't have to live in that mentality anymore. I don't have to live in who I was. I was this. I was this. That's why, you know, I, I know that someone, some people go to AA, and, and I think it does a lot of good for people. But can I tell you something? You're not an alcoholic anymore. I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. You know, I, I don't live my life. You know what? I was a womanizer. I was a drunk. And I'm a child of God who used to be a womanizer, used to be a drunk because we're new. The power of the cross, it cleansed me from that. And not only did it cleanse me from my old sins, it cleanses me from my new sins. Because how many of you know that every day that we wake up, we have the potential to do something wrong? We all fall short of the glory of God. So the power of the cross not only cleanses my past, but it cleanses my future. And then if we have any Peters in the house, stand up, Peter. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. <laughs> I'm talking about Peter from the Bible. Ruth is going, come on, Peter. Peter's going, stop it, Mom. Stop. I saw that. And so, so if you're a Peter, you say, Lord, I'll never leave you. I'll never, I'll never forsake you. I don't care what these yahoos do. I'm going to stay true to you. And Jesus told them, Peter, Peter, Peter. 
Before the crock crows, cock-a-doodle-doo, you're going to deny me three times. And so he knew the future, and guess what he did to Peter? Did he say, I condemn you, Peter. You're no good for nothing. He restored him. He said, you're going to be a major spokesman in the church. And so with the cross, the power of the cross, it, it, it cleanses my past, it cleanses my present, and it continues to cleanse me in the future. Uh, amen? Hey, if you're not skipping, I'm sorry for you, but I skip, all right? I mean, when, you, when your future is cleansed, you can still have this. You can even do one of the... You do that, Phoebe. So there's power in the cross that really helps us to, to move forward. We don't have to be defined by our failures, but instead by the cleansing righteousness of Jesus. Pick up your head, beloved. Pick up your head. Walk, walk proud. Walk in, the, the, walk in the pride of Christ. It's humility, but it's confidence. Amen? And, and it helps us. Do you think that Jesus went through all the trouble and pain to die on the cross of Calvary so that we could live our lives identified by our failures? I thought about that this week. Jesus took on scourging. He took on uh, beatings. He took on, they pulled his beard. They took on all this. They took, he took on all of this mistreatment. He took accusations. He went to the cross for us. He was perfect. Do you think he went to the cross and to, to, to cleanse us of our sins so we could live our lives defined by our failures? He went to the cross so we could have a new life. He went to the cross so we could be defined by his attributes, not ours. One of the things that Jesus said in, in Revelations 21.5, it says that I am making all things new. I am making all things new. Lord, but, but can, you, can, you make, can you make Butch new? That's a hard task. I am making all things new. Amen, Butch? All of us. I mean, he's just, he's just doing a work in every one of us. Jesus took our sins on the cross, but through the resurrection, he left them in the grave. Isn't that awesome? Here, let's just think about that. If he left them in the grave, why do we, why do we pick them back up? Why do we, why do we wear this, 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 uh, this identity that's not ours? Why do we define ourselves with our past? Don't do it. I really, I really love how the psalmist put it. He said, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My flesh, my flesh gets weak, and, I, and sometimes I lose it. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I, 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 I do things that I don't want to do. My heart, it fails me. But in those times, God has enough portion to fill me forever and ever. He never runs dry. His grace never is depleted. He fills us. His portion, his portion. He, he, it says, 
God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He continually fills us. How many of you know who Helen Keller was? Great woman of God. Born into some very dire circumstances. She was born blind. She couldn't see all of her life. She went around not being able to see. Mike Sloan was, was, came in for prayer this morning. He said, do you know how blessed we are, Pastor? Do you know how blessed we are? And we started to pray for our services. And he said, you know, this morning I was able to get up and go and, uh, and turn on the, uh, a spigot and, and turn on the faucet and, and get in the shower. And I could adjust it to the, from, from cold to hot and warm. And, and, and we're able to do this. We have such blessings. And, he, and you think about Helen Keller. She was born into blindness. And there was a woman that came into her life. <clears throat> Let me give you background. And her, this woman's name was Ann Sullivan. Ann Sullivan was an orphan at one time who was in an insane asylum. They had put her away. They called her Little Annie. No one would even go around her. She used to throw the trays of plate out. Ah! She was, you know, they thought she was nuts, and she'd throw all these things out. And, and, and no one was able to help her. And this one lady in that orphanage, I mean, in that insane asylum, this one worker said, let me try. And she was a Christian, and she went down there, and she would sit there, and Annie would be there yelling and going crazy and saying all kinds of things. And she would sit there, and she would read her Bible. And little Annie, day after day, the Bible, the Word of God, began to touch her heart. And then she began to eat her food. And she began to receive the love of God. And her life was changed. So they told little Annie, Annie, you can go. You're free to go. Go ahead and leave. And she says, I'm not going to leave. I'm here to help people. And she stayed helping people. Well, when Helen Keller's parents heard about this amazing girl, they called, out, they called for Ann Sullivan to go. And Helen Keller was in a, in a horrible, horrible life where she was blind and she hated her life and all these things. And Ann Sullivan came into her life and she poured Jesus into her and changed her life forever. Now, Helen Keller wrote this. She said, be of good cheer. Do not think of today's failures, but of the success that may come tomorrow. You have set yourselves a difficult task, but you will succeed if you persevere. And you will find a joy in overcoming obstacles. Remember, no effort that we make to attain something beautiful is ever lost in other words if you quit you'll never get to that place where god wants to take you if anyone had a reason to quit it was helen keller and how many of us people in this day we have so many things going for us and we quit instead of saying we will overcome god you and me Point number two, no addiction defines me. An addiction is anything that takes precedent over God. It takes control over us. It consumes our thoughts and even influences our actions. Sometimes we think, you know, it, it, it has to be drugs or alcohol or maybe pornography but how many of us think that it could be food or technology? How, how many times is there something that, that, that you just can't 
get your mind off. How, how many of you in here with your smartphones, can you leave it for 10 minutes without going and checking to see what someone put on Facebook or Twitter? There might be an addiction there. Anyone know who Edgar Allan Poe was? You just raise your hand if you know who he was. He made these crazy horror movies and books. His mind, you know. And Edgar Allan Poe was addicted to stimulants. And he, and he wrote, he said, I have absolutely no pleasure in the stimu stimulants in which I sometimes so madly indulge. It has not been in the pursuit of pleasure that I have peril life. In other words, I've risked life. That I've peril life and, and reputation and reason. It has been the desperate attempt to escape from torturing memories from a sense of insupportable loneliness and a dread of some strange impending doom. Edgar Poe used stimulants to escape the horrors within, and it led him to bondage. I, I, I spoke to a young man recently, and he said, and he's dr struggling with some drug use. And, and as we were talking, he, he, he just said, he said, you need to understand that the drugs are not my problem. There's something way deeper than that. God is able to help us overcome the root so that the addiction becomes a thing of the past. It could be abuse. It could be a molestation. It could be a rape. It could be a, 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 all kinds of different things. And so you mask it, you medicate it, and you put it on. And on the outside, you look so good. I talked to this individual, and, and, and I've talked to individuals that they have thousands of followers on social networks, and every time they put a post, they have hundreds of likes. And yet they're hurting on the inside. It's all exterior. And God doesn't want us to be defined by those things that keep us bound. Amen? There are so many things that are competing for our allegiance, but the power of the cross is in the blood. I'm going to say that again. The power of the cross is in the blood of Jesus, and the blood is able to set you free. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There's power in that blood. The Bible says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Can I tell you something, beloved? You're set free the first day you believe in Jesus. Positionally, you're set free. You're not, once you say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life, I surrender to you, I give my life to you, I believe, I, I confess you as Lord, I believe that you rose from the grave and you, and you receive him. That day, positionally, you are taken out of bondage and you're put in his kingdom of light. Now, you may not walk that out that day because there has to be a transformation in your mind, but you're set free that day. 
Sometimes it's progressively that you move toward experiencing complete freedom. But I would say this, don't let your past addiction define who you are. You are a child of God who is progressively moving in the direction of abstaining from anything that won't honor God or honor yourself. You are not an addict striving to become a child of God. You don't have to say, my name is James Reese, and I'm an alcoholic. I can say, my name is James Reese, and I'm a child of God who set me free, who sometimes struggles with drinking. But God's not done with me yet. Now, don't go tell your neighbors, hey, did you know Pastor James drinking? <laughs> I haven't drank since last week, okay? <laughs> 20 years, 20 years. But, but here's the thing. Here's, I just want you, we're free to do anything. We're free in Christ. In other words, we're not bound to law. You know, I don't drink because I, I, I can't drink. Oh, I can't drink. I, I've chosen not to drink because the Lord took it. Yeah, but if someone is in here, I mean, that's between you and the Lord. I want you to understand something, beloved. You are free in Christ, and the freedom is to choose to do what you're going to do or not do what you're going to do. It has nothing to do with law. Anytime you make it law, you're going to live in bondage. I can't eat chocolate. I can't. I'm addicted to chocolate. Well, can I tell you something? I love chocolate. And if I eat it, thank you, Jesus. All right? And I love red chili, all right? And if I eat a burrito, so be it. Okay, Shauna? <laughs> I'm tired of salads. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's go home. Not only that, beloved, God will always provide a window or door of escape so you don't have to remain captive. God will always provide a way out. The Bible says no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, we're, we all are in this together. We are all tempted. And then the Bible says, and God is faithful. Notice it doesn't say, and Paul is faithful. It doesn't say, and Ronnie is faithful. It does not say, George is faithful. It says, God is faithful. He's faithful, and it goes on to say, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so you endure it. You know, how many of us, uh, we, you got a television set, and how many of you know that there are things on the television that don't honor God, and they don't honor you? Do you know that God gave us a way of escape? It's called a remote control. <laughs> Amen? And you can change it. And, and, and another thing, you know that God gave us a, a car. Most of us have cars, and if you go to a place that's not good for you, you know what you can do? You can get in your car and drive off. Amen? 
So God always provides a way of escape for some of young people. you got a smartphone, and you know that not only young people, but every one of us that has a smartphone, in that phone you have the potential to do some pretty amazing things, but you also have the potential to be taken to places that you don't want to go. I told uh, uh, someone this weekend, he was texting, and uh, I said, let me see your text. And this is, this is an older gentleman that uh, the Lord's placed me in his life. He's come out of prison and things, and so I'm kind of working. And I said, let me, let me see your phone. And he goes, I said, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to see what you were going to do. How many of us let our spouses see our phones? Is it an open book? Whenever someone says, you can't see my phone, there's something wrong. <laughs> Pastor Bob, can I see your phone, see who you've been texting? <laughs> he said, texting. <laughs> so the reality here is, is that, that God will always make a way of escape. Tell your neighbor we will overcome. Yeah. The Bible, the Bible shows us that every person is tempted, but God will always remain faithful. And you don't have to be alone in temptation. Temptation is not sin. Temptation are the fiery darts that the devil throws that says, go there. Look at that. Take that. Do this. Do that. And you're like, ooh, that might be nice. Ooh. Oh. And then you got to snap out and say, I don't think so, devil. Amen? Amen. And you've got, see, that's the thing that people don't understand. People think that when you're tempted that you're sinning. No. Every person is tempted. Pastor, you mean you're tempted? Oh, boy. Temptation is not sin. Sin is when you act on that temptation. And when you begin to ponder it and you, ooh, that massage would be nice. No. Amen? No. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to smoke, but I'm not going to inhale. No. I did not have sexual relations with that girl. No. You just don't go there, amen? Tell your neighbor, we will overcome. The Bible puts it like this. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Notice it says submit to God because when you submit to God, you go into his camp. You go into his will. You go into his directive. And then when you submit to God, it's not I will overcome. It's we will overcome. And when you do that, you will be able to resist the devil. And guess what happens? Not only does the devil, it doesn't say that you will have to flee. The, the Bible says that the devil will have to flee. Why? Because God is too big for him. Jesus is a strong man and he binds. He, he's stronger than, than this strong man in the world, which is the devil. He binds him so that we can overcome. Point number three. No false accusation will define me. If you're a new creation in Christ and you're being accused of being a no-good sinner, there's something faulty in your thought system. If you're thinking, I'm no good for nothing, I, I just can't do this, I'm not going to ever be able to walk like a Christian, I won't be able to do this, that is not God speaking to you. That's the devil. 
If you have voices in your head that, are, that keep accusing you and you start believing them, you will begin to live that out. Amen? What you believe is what you'll live. The Bible teaches me that there's only one accuser of the brethren, and it's not God. Why? Because Jesus came to acquit us of all our charges and to empower us to live a victorious life. Revelation puts it like this. I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over Him by the blood of the Lamb. Notice the blood of the Lamb. That means together with Jesus, what He's done for us. Amen? They triumphed over Him by what Jesus did for us, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, by telling people, it's because of Jesus that I am who I am. And because of what I am, I can tell you how you can change your life as well. Your testimony is so important, but don't let your testimony become a testimony. Amen? I had someone call me the other day. He said, bro, you remember me? You know my testimony. You know, you know where I was at one time. You know, what God, you know what God met me at that place. I said, bro, don't let your testimony become a testimony. Be honest. Walk with God. Hold on to Jesus. Don't just come to God when things are bad. Walk with God all the time. Amen? Amen. Don't let your testimony become a testimony. Your testimony is that you've trusted in Jesus and his blood has washed you clean and this should make you see yourself differently. I love the way that uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's a great theologian, he, 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 said it, he wrote it like this. When a man truly sees himself, he knows nobody can say anything about him that is too bad. When you really know who you are, I know who I am in Christ. It doesn't matter what people say about me. I know who I am in Christ. It will never be too bad because I don't put my trust in what people say. I put my trust in what God says. Amen. I told my, my wife, and I shared it first service, so I'm going to share it second service. I went to uh, the, the nursing home the, uh, in, in Lordsburg, New Mexico, and, and it was really encouraging to me. I was able to take my mom, and we went to go see my grandma, and, uh, and there were so many, my grandma and my aunt, and there are so many people in the, in the nursing home there that were either parents or grandparents of my friends. And so I go in there, and, and, and uh, I, I know a lot of these, and I go and shake, shake their hands, so I'm going around shaking hands, and this one uh, elderly lady, she, she gra grasped my hand, and, she, and they said, that's Jamie, that's Jamie Reese. Oh, I remember, ay, mijo, you're so handsome. I didn't walk like this. I walked like this. So I told Shauna, you better watch out, babe. I know where to go when I need encouragement. Amen? So you can't put a lot of weight on what people say about you negatively. You know what I mean? You, you, you bring it before God. You're a new person in Christ. You don't have to... You don't have to uh, uh, 
just magnify the negative things, especially that people are saying, you can walk in the attributes of Christ. Don't let accusations define who you are. You know, ten positive, ten positive remarks can be negated by one negative one. You can have ten people from the church, you, you can come in and, you, you know, you just bought a ne- brand new pair of shoes. And you can have ten people say, ooh, those are some nice shoes. Man, those are nice shoes. And you have a man, dude, those shoes are ugly. You think? Right? Think about it in life. But don't let accusations define who you are. You're a child of God who's been changed by the Lord. Tell your neighbor, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I'm going to end with this scripture. The Bible says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. In other words, wisdom will lead us to not get caught up in a lot of negativity, especially when people are trying to offend us. We don't have to defend, uh, we don't have to be defined by those accusations. Last time, tell your neighbor, we will overcome. I believe it, child of God. I believe it. We will overcome. Let's pray. Thank you. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.